welcome uh, to yet another show of Reinventing Finance. Really excited to um, greet yet another cool guest, um, Spiros. Welcome to have you in our virtual private session. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Tom and Nicholas, to have me. I love it. It's a privilege <laughs> to be on this show. Um, for the very few people who might not have come across you either in person or, you know, through social media, um, why don't you just briefly introduce yourself, you know, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, I'm a venture capitalist invested in several startups over, mm, in several, I don't even numbers, an advisor to, uh, advisors, obviously, to the startups, I'm part of it. Um, I was fortunate enough to be involved uh, with two unicorns uh, globally, and uh, it's a part of luck. I'm the number one fintech influencers for years, Reuters, Analytica, etc. What does it mean? You know, we will talk about what it. Does it exactly. Uh, there will be one question. What does it mean? <laughs> it means, uh, you know, I, I try to explain it to my wife is a doctor and our, our, our friends are a lot of doctors. So. I have to speak differently. But I could see, I mean, that, they, you know, that they might put you, so they're saving lives. What do you do? You know, I've, I've, exactly. I have Exactly, and I understand <laughs> this. I understand this completely. But I try to explain it to them. And I always, when I give speeches, I give a lot of speeches. I give the opening speech of the biggest IBM event before COVID in Europe. Uh, I try to explain it with the audience I have. And for instance, for influence, I mean, people associated often with teenagers. They're also influencers, but a different segment. There's this little kid who plays game, games and uh, eight years old, makes $30 million a year. And experts say it doesn't make enough because he generates so much business behind it. An influencer is basically the measure who follows you. If my brother follows me or my wife, it doesn't mean much. It means personally something to me but not much. It's like if, if I were an influence in politics, would mean that Obama, Merkel, some important people in the world would follow me. They measure this. And of course, the traction you have. And nowadays in this digital world we are, it's very easy to, to measure on Twitter. Twitter probably is the best platform for this, to measure your impact globally, your audience, who interacts, how important are the people who interact with you. And uh, I'm fortunate that I'm part of a great community. I've, I've been in there at the right time, you know, 2014, uh, when things were really difficult to explain. And I grew with the industry, you know, uh, and what brings credibility to my role probably is that I'm involved with good startups, you know, bigger players, not all are unicorns, but mostly 50 million plus. Uh, and I think, that's uh, it's, it's this mixture. Everyone brings something different to the table. And then I come from a background hedge fund industry and I had my own startups in New York, my own failures, big billboards, you know, dot-com crash, uh, divorce uh, from a great woman. Uh, it's like all part, people only see the good part of this business. I mean, I've seen, you know, I can tell it now because I'm successful, but where I didn't know how to pay the rent in my life. But it's easy to talk about this now, but it's this part of experience that I bring in as an advisor. I'm totally independent. I have skin in the game, you know, and being an influencer, I'm a little bit like, no, I shouldn't say that, but, uh, <laughs> but it brings added value. But I, I tell every startup I'm involved in, I'm like, in this, I don't play soccer. 
but I'm like a soccer player. I play my position very well, but I, we only can win if everyone plays very well. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not the guy who will win the game, but I'm part of a winning team. That for sure. I mean, oh, let's put it this way. I can be. Okay. Um, maybe because I, I think, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into some aspects of, of that if you, if you allow me, but I think you've touched on something um, that is very rarely spoken about. And I don't want to dig into too deeply into it because I think there's other really good podcasts about personal. The, the, the entrepreneurial journey and the dark side of it. But um, when you've kind of said, what would be, is there, is there some generic advice that you give, you know, when you're on the downturn or, or, you know, or is that just not feasible? And, you know, so, so what do you do, for example, if someone says, you know, my fundraising has failed or, you know, and I'm questioning um, whether this was the right path and whatever done with my life. And, you know, there's people who relied on me, et cetera. You know, this is, you know, some things. Very tough, that, very tough moments. Yeah. You know, so, I think we have to look to, uh, I, 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 probably like to tell people things I do myself. I look for faults with myself. Basically, in that case, was the presentation good enough? Is our product good enough? Is the timing good enough? You know, it's basically, it's not the other people's fault who don't see it. Maybe we don't show it. We don't show the journey the way we should show, show it. So this, uh, you know, you can't, you can't sugarcoat it. You have to be tough with each other, but uh, no, sometimes, sometimes it's sometimes it's not the right time. I mean, that's why I'm telling people success comes a lot with timing, and but timing we have no impact. So therefore, the longer you play, the longer you can survive as a startup. All of a sudden, you might get those good cards to play them. You know, I think that's the only good advice I can give: manage your business in a way that you can survive for a long time because. It's not always, always the best one, as we all know, who wins. Sometimes it is, but it's not always the best. It's the one who survives. Mm -hmm. And sure. the timing, but it's like in art world. You know, sometimes artists do art forever and it's not successful. And all of a sudden people, gallerists, uh, and people remember, oh my God, this is hard. This kind of art is hard. I remember Michael, you know, but you've been around and you stayed around. And the same in our business, you have to try to survive as long as possible. As they say in poker, eventually you will get dealt good cards. <laughs> it's easier said than done. Eh? No, and 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 I agree. And I think it's it's sometimes you know also the messenger that matters, not just the message. You know, I think it's something that you know if if your friends and and maybe your your, your spouse, your partner might um con you know. Uh, what does condole you um kind of kind of help you out and they say all the right things but you you they, if they haven't been kind of through that experience um then it's it's harder to kind of accept that sometimes and, and get into that reflection you know it's a little bit like grief <laughs> you know, kind of the seven stages of grief or whatever it is but uh no i think that's 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 um yeah that's very genuine thank you for for, for kind of sharing well, that and uh, as i said before when i said uh, there were moments i couldn't pay my rent in my life or thought about it, not being able to pay it. You know, it's honest moments. And I think it's easy to talk about it when you're successful, but uh, it, it gives you credibility when you talk to people. You know, it's, a, it's, not all, it's not about bullshit. It's about, you know, there's some bullshit, you know, <laughs> in life, but there's also, you know, to, to be credible. No, and I think, I mean, even for those uh, who, 
you know, and I think that's the truth, right? It's not, a, it's not even about absolute measures, it's about relative measures. So it's about opportunity costs, it's about letting people down, it's about responsibility that you feel, it's about identification. It's, you know, it's about, you know, it's much cooler to be, hey, what do you do? And you're not. Yes, I know. I'm an entrepreneur rather than, you know, I just, I just, you know, I just failed. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, and I think it's a lot of things. So I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that even, you know, it can, it's okay to feel shit about something, even if you can pay rent. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's like uh, sleepless nights. I mean, but it's not only about, it's not about only money, but the consequences of failing. It's the people you hired, the people gave you the money, your girlfriend, your wife who supported you, uh, your kids, you know, it's a whole, yeah. a lot of things are attached to it. I mean, and it's very tough. And I feel uh, the good ones have experienced some of it, you know, in their lives, you know, different, everyone different. It's, uh, you know. And I think, and, and, you know, it's interesting when I talk to anyone, actually, you know, even, even some of those uh, InsureTech founders who recently got into the news and they're like, you know, this was really tough. It was around unicorn, bankruptcy, merger in a day. <laughs> hey, in I a tell day. you, if you see in the kitchen, this, you know, bankruptcy is probably the more moments of bankruptcy feelings of very successful startups. And, you know, it's not finished until you're out. It's like, you know, you don't have a contract until you sign it. It's not finished until you go IPO and, and those six months or 12 months pass. Yeah. No, so, no, but, but I think for anyone out there, I think, you know, that uh, someone who um, doesn't just uh, uh, talk the talk, but walk the talk. Um, so, you know, thanks. That was, that was not how I intended this podcast to start. But I love it. I love it. It's real. You can ask anything. I always <laughs> say no. I take the fifth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Not deny. Uh, um, no. So, but but kind of coming maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, and thanks for taking the detour with us here. Um, but if we're kind of dissecting a little bit um, your the few hats that you wear, and just um, kind of. You know, if you're looking on your LinkedIn, um, you know, VC, futurist, senior advisor, influencer, we've touched on the first two, but maybe if we'll kind of go, um, as a VC, um, do you, do you have a thesis? What do you look for? And what's, because a lot of people kind of say, um, you know, we don't just provide you money, we provide you X. And the X is sometimes genuine, and sometimes it's, yeah, yes. and you know, that's fine, and you know. Um, and I always think, you know, just money is also good, you know, um, depending hey, on hey. who you are. As good as it gets. <laughs> you know, it gives me, to, yeah, it gives you time, but um, what's your sweet spot? Do you have a thesis and what's your yes. value add? Yes, I mean, uh, I don't try to, uh, to go intellectually, you know, because, uh, you know, it's, you know, the shocking things I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, because if you, you know, first of all, if I study a business case too, too deeply, I will start to like it because I spent too much time on it and, and I seem to understand it. I, I rather have in our business, I mean, it's not for every business. Um, we're talking B2C or even B2B, which, uh, which touches B2C. It has to easily be understand, uh, understandable, I think. It needs traction. Traction is my key word. You know, basically, that's why I've, I'm fortunate enough to, to join. Uh, companies mostly their 50 100 million dollars valuation 
So they have traction. Attraction shows me already that whatever they say, whatever their vision was, uh, customers buy it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like at the end of the day, we want to sell to customers some great service product. And that's the most important thing. I'm not a believer. Maybe I don't have the sense because uh, I failed to go in and take the risk of maybe having 100 times returns, but having see if they have traction. Because they have traction, it means they have a great product. They have people who can sell. They have a focus, hopefully. And that's the, that's the key, traction. It sounds so simple. And then, then I think, okay, um, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I know the industry quite well. I must say. I mean, I'm, I'm, yes, I think I know the industry quite. I mean, not in details. Like you know, there are some people who know much more payments, AI, etc. But I think I'm very independent in my thinking. And uh, I'm when I push something, I'm involved in. People know it. They see it on my Twitter account, etc. So basically, uh, I I'm, I'm biased. So basically, I can tell a founder easily. Hey, have you looked at this? Because often those founders, that's what I add the value to it. They they see their business, but sometimes they don't see. You know that maybe I'm in a company now that buy now pay later. Mm-hmm. You would think, my God, everyone is in this business. So in the business I'm in now, they do things a little bit different. But that's a question I would have. You know, why, why would you succeed against Glano, for example? So they explained in a great way how they do it. And I'm just as an example. And yeah, so that's the added value I bring. And of course, my brand, uh, you know, I bring some credibility uh, being part of it, you know, by being associated with other successful startups. But then at the end of the day, I'm one of the team players, you know? But I bring the brand, I bring my experience, my independence. And uh, I think that's a huge value. I think at least uh, people think so. Or some people, you can't, you can't suit them all. No, I, listen, and I think, you know, it's, um, God, if it, there's many ways to run, right? Um, would you... Do you have a process around deal flow? So for example, do you come at it from a, probably you've already answered, not from a kind of massively numerical analysis. Are you, are you more, you know, do you focus more on, on the people? But basically where, where's your deal flow coming from? Where's your process? Where, how, do you, how do you spot certain trends or, or, or theses? How does that work? Uh, as being an, uh, the, the influencer, probably, uh, probably, it seems, it seems, let's put it those a little. I don't think modest is a good thing in our business uh, because if you're modest, you're not going to be successful, as successful as you should be, in, also as a startup. But, uh, but then you also have to deliver. You know, you can say we're the best in this, but hopefully you can deliver. My process is by reading and studying the market and being exposed so much, I see great startups and then I try to get involved in. Mm-hmm. I had discussion with Bunk at uh, one point, it didn't work out, um, the, but the guy's great and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but I, I know before things become unicorns, so I thought, hey, wow, they do things a little differently than the others. So either they come to me or, the, or some players I approach them myself, you know, like I say, hey, I want to be part of this uh, because you guys do this much different. And the fortune, I'm very fortunate that most of the time, you know, if I approach someone, I can get access to the CEO. You know, mm-hmm. 
even if it's just to exchange thoughts, you know, and it's, and I learn from them and, and then I'm very direct then. Okay. But okay. I don't do this. And then I know other venture of capitalists, uh, I don't want to name names, but there's also community. But uh, at the end of the day, there's only so much time. And you WhatsApp me the name. Nah, just... <laughs> <laughs> and I know very prominent but you know but I get that's a fortunate thing I have I can get access to almost everyone if I approach them because what happens is this, I write to them they look me up and they say okay why maybe maybe there's some value to it you know yep. that sounds very cocky but in our business again let's not be modest because uh, I mean you, you have to pick out from all the others yeah you know and, and I mean I wouldn't say that, you know, I, I know you for, for a while. I, I think um, you've been less modest before. So I think we're, I think you're just- Yeah, probably more successful. Right on, right on, <laughs> yeah, right on target, <laughs> you know, so it's absolutely fine. No, no. But I always advise companies, honestly, Tom and Nicholas, do not be modest. I really advise them, but it takes courage. You know, it takes, it takes people, sometimes they're unbelievable companies and there are other companies they are less good, but they just know how to push uh, the product better. And I, I, I give everyone advice, if you can't do it, you should have somebody who can do it for them and, uh, uh, and within the, the organization, because otherwise you leave money on the table and money not to become rich, because the more valuable you are, the stronger your brand is, the less you have to give when you do fundraising. So therefore it helps your vision to grow. Americans are very good at it. Mm -hmm. And also some people in Berlin. <laughs> no, ab ab abso absolutely. I mean... Um... Not, not to mention any names. No, no, but, uh, uh, but also a lot of challenger banks done a great job. You know, I mean, uh, again, not to mention... Uh, let's mention it. Number 26 did a great job. I mean, I don't want to go deep how good they are or not. I mean, they have this huge valuation, 9 billion. But they did a great job, I mean, from what, how they started. And I think all the great startups, if you look back, say, hey, my God, how did we get here? Which is magic. Yeah. Are there, are there, let's say, because you're so open, are there, for instance, any, let's say, companies you thought about or, or, or you were able to invest in, but you rejected? And then afterwards, you were just amazed how well they did? Like a like a the one that got away portfolio. What's that called? That shadow. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I never amazed how got the, how well they did. It just uh, you know sometimes it just doesn't work out. It's like dating. I mean, I'm not out of dating. I'm married, but it's like dating. You approach them. It's like a business. It just uh, sometimes it doesn't fit uh, perfectly, and and it's fair. And, you know, at the moment when you get rejected, it hurts a little bit, ego wise, but it goes on. No, the next one is coming. And I said, like, it's, you know, the deal flow is huge, you know, of good companies. And uh, it, and you wish them all well, because, you know, it's so nice to talk, like we speak now, to great people, to change, change thoughts. Although now I'm speaking much more than you two gentlemen, but we spoke before we started the show, uh, we are very privileged. It's really cool to, to do what we love to do and, you know, yeah. I just I just I just take one example just to go yeah. away from insure tech and fintech. Just take companies like those those gorilla companies. Eh? In ten, 10 minutes you have your I don't know uh 
They're everything you get to. It doesn't matter what it is. Let's say if, if I if I would have if I would have been able to invest in those companies, I would have rejected it because I thought I don't understand how you can earn money by delivering something from the grocery shop next door. Uh, I, I I just don't see the revenue or or not at, at least not not a profitable business model. So I would have said no, I don't believe in the model. And now you see just you huge valuations, but it's the same in the in the fintech and insurtech uh, sphere, mm -hmm. uh, where 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 just take let's say the valuation of neo banks, um, where I, I let's say just 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 adding accounts uh, is still not profits. So let's say if I would have been able to invest in Ardien, I would have I would have seen much more the business model and the profits. Then let's say the business model of a, of a neo bank uh, adding accounts, but not earning uh, substantial money, so to say. And if they grow the way they want to grow, I mean, I think most neo banks want to be sold, and some already missed the boat, but they go IPO. So let's not let's sell it to someone, because uh, I think the really hot time of neo banks is probably behind us, kind of. Um, I mean. Uh, it's very, and because the bigger you get, Anne Bowden, yes, they wrote a great art interview about open banking that basically, you know, questionable how much data you really need and how much, you know, how much you can really give value to your customer. And, and, and probably the Anne way Bowden she Starling Bank, is that? Yes, Anne Bowden yeah, Starling. Fantastic Starling. job. And she, she already thinks of the next level of not being yeah. a neon bank, but being a real bank. But of course, then you're not measured by just customers because uh, then you're measured by real deal flow, by yeah. uh, reserves you have, you need reserves, uh, capital reserves uh, as a bank. So, but going back, so I'm a little bit critical, but as I said, bank does a fantastic job. But I believe sometimes when I see a startup, I don't understand is maybe I don't understand it. You know, and I don't, I don't judge, I never really judge it will be a good investment or not. I, I just spoke yesterday to my wife about the startup. It's not my specialty, but I said, if I were critical, I would say I would not invest, but I've seen big things out of things we haven't never thought it's going to be possible. You know, people were laughing about number 26. They called it Giro Conto. Everyone at Raiffeisen, those, uh, uh, those union banks, thought, hey, this, we give this like on the side. It's not even a business. We, our system could manage this. But people, bankers underestimated how people were looking for something cool, simple, digital. So therefore, as a, as a, as a message to your question, I hope uh, is, if I get involved in, I will start a little bit deeper. But otherwise, it's like, you know, maybe I don't see it. You know, it's not my problem. It can become big. It's, I don't even judge it, you know, because yeah. it's, as you said, anything becomes a unicorn now. It's just... Uh, good or bad, some are deservedly. Some companies should be unicorns, but people haven't noticed them. But basically, they have the numbers, the cash flow break even, they have a solid business model. And I believe from my hedge fund experience and ups and downs is we are now like growth stocks story now. Eventually, it's going to be value again, where we have really have to have revenues. And people will be bought of value plays and it's going to go up again. But now we are like this, uh, I don't say, I don't call it a, a top, but uh, there are different things that count now. Yeah. 
Is it? Uh, did I answer this a little bit? Yeah, I was uh, I was waiting for some excellent companies you missed, but or uh, no, I would have. But also number twenty six. I, I spoke to them then. I mean, many many years ago, but it just didn't happen. And uh, because regardless uh, of how good the business model is, there's also a factor of thinking. Yes, there's value to it. You know. Uh, good to hear. Yeah, that's my point of view. And maybe I'm too old to, I really, I always call myself fortunate. You know, a very nice secret is I want to be always part of companies with that. Oh, fuck, are we lucky to have Spiros? And I have the same feeling about the startup. My God, I am I fucking lucky they want me. And if you have this, yeah. I think then it's like, a, it's like a marriage. You can go through bad times because bad times will happen. <laughs> Yeah, I and I don't want during bad times to say, oh, it's Spiro's fault. Well, I don't want to then tell me their fault. It's just we're a team. So we go through bad times as well. But is, let's say, uh, just to, to add one on that, is it then mainly the people which are decisive for you? Because the business model could, could also change during down the road? It's the people and the timing. As I said, if we, if we go back to the situation. If they have traction, it means uh, the business is already going well. Yeah. You know, and then the people, obviously, you know, but um, we discussed, so, uh, <laughs> you know, in the past, we discussed about businesses where people leave, and but they were the, like the core of the business. You know, it's people is really important. Yeah. But, uh, and then you need luck. I always tell people, you need some luck too, you know, for God's sake. You know, I yeah. wasn't lucky. <laughs> but in the hedge fund business, I'll give another story. Where people pitched us uh, funds or companies. And some people were just lucky what they pitched. I don't know if they were smart or lucky. So when they, when they called you, picked up the phone faster. Some people were extremely smart, but they just were not lucky. And, I, I, and that's another rational thought, but it's just some things we can't bottle. You know, we can't bottle. You know, can we bottle success? I don't know. In retrospect, yes. But I mean, look at Steve, uh, Steve Jobs when he came back in 1997 to Apple and had to go to Bill Gates to get money. If he didn't get the money, he wouldn't exist. You know, and if the idiots Microsoft, oh, no, cut. <laughs> and, if those no, don't cut it. If those people at that time, not idiots, at the time didn't sell those stocks, it would, it would be unbelievable. You need some luck. Or if Bill Gates, uh, if IBM would have said no, you can't have that code, you know. It's all. And but you can tell people who are lucky, and they know they're lucky. There was a study by Harvard that much I think it's Harvard Stanford, but it doesn't matter. It was a study that people feel they were very lucky become so wealthy they're very they're much more charitable mm -hmm. because they feel like let's give back because i was so lucky let's give back there's some other people uh, also tech giants who feel i'm the smartest guy i did it by myself whatever willpower they're not very charitable i'd rather be associated with people who are charitable you know because uh, we all were moments we all have had moments where we needed help so it's very important to give back. Yeah. That's, I moved away from your uh, direct question, but we, we have a dialogue. So. Greek philosophy. Yeah, I'm Greek too, you know. <laughs>
Um, I'm a beaten, beaten down. So you become more philosophy. Uh, you philosophy life, you know. I always have to think a little bit uh, about Taleb when I listen to you. Nassim Taleb, the trader. Taleb, I don't know. Uh, sorry. Of the, oh. the guy who wrote Skin in the Game. and, uh, and ah, okay. So. All right. The, there's this kind of mixture. On the one hand, the, the trading and the, and the mathematical side, and on the other hand, the philosophical side. And I think if you, if you think about your life and about your business, you become philosophical, you know? If some you're a little bit some people. <laughs> yes, some people. You know, we can't cover them all. Uh, we have to be true to ourselves. And I, and I think that's, I mean, I think when you, when you kind of said, you know, you need to, don't be modest. Um, I mean, I hate this word, you know, be authentic. I think it just need, you need, you, you need to feel comfortable with what you're telling because otherwise people are going to smell it um, out. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know, you need to stretch yourself. It's going to be painful. Um, and I guess the, I don't know who told me that or whether I read it or something, but was it was it some meditation thing? I don't, I don't know, but somewhere I picked up this one phrase, which I thought was really good is, you know, throughout your life, uh, there were always instances where things were absolutely horrible. You got rejected by your first love. You got cheated on you. You, you, you missed that exam. You missed something. I didn't get into, not like Tom, I didn't get into McKinsey. I hated that, right? I got rejected and it sucked and it was really painful. And, it would uh, have taken me for the reception only. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I still have, have, a, have a chip can I, on my Can I call Tom head. that you're down here? <laughs> Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's right, you know, it's, it's fine. But then you kind of look back and you say, none of that seems to matter anymore. Um, and it doesn't actually mean that it didn't matter right then. And maybe it's just a psychological trick, but it doesn't matter. Things move on, you grow, you know, and I, and I think that's, um, that, that at least gives me some form of, doesn't, doesn't stop the pain. Um, but you know, it's like kind of breathing through the pain. It's not like it's not as good as ibuprofen, but you know, it's probably more sustainable. <laughs> but anyway, um, we have three more things on your resume, um, oh. and I told you we're gonna be very. It's gonna take us a while to get through that. It's gonna get embarrassing. So the second thing, futurist. So what does that mean to you um, when you wrote that? Um, and then I guess. If we could segue into insure, you know, I prefer insurance, but we can do insurance and banking or just banking. Yeah, of course. Um, but what does the future hold for us, Beerus? Tell us. I mean, look, nobody buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Tell no, me. I mean, hey, no, nobody knows. I mean, obviously, but uh, I think it comes also with influence. I mean, in the past, how I joined Twitter is I had ideas and I wrote them down, and and then they got lost. So I said to myself, okay, let's put my ideas or my thinking out there. You know, like everyone knows speedboat and tankers. That's I coined it. And a lot of things I coined. And that's what made me an influencer. I, I exposed myself. I, I've been quite early. Uh, I, I didn't buy early Bitcoin, although um, because I always. I mean, it's, it, was, it, it's, sure. it's so obvious. Oh, I, always, let's, I haven't heard this. But at that time, I always, I mean, I, but I wrote about it that I'm bullish about Bitcoin, but I didn't own Bitcoin. But I also told people I didn't own Bitcoin. 
but it, it left me, uh, you know, independent. Like anything else I pushed, people knew, oh, Spiros is with that company. That's why he's pushing it. And I guess when, when you have 50 or 60 million readers a year, uh, I guess your influence, you know, that's also part of your influence a little bit where the industry is going, if you want it or not, you know? And because, and if you it's just I give an opinion and uh, I, I also post things I don't believe in because, but they're very credible, which is very important. I, I'm a big love of the economist where you read an article and you hear both opinions and it's up to you to judge, you know, because we can be wrong. Maybe I'm more often, probably more often wrong than right. But, but I love that to post things also that are very well written, very well argumented. And, and, you know, and that's what a futurist is. You give opinions. I mean, I, when I gave the speech for IBM and all these people, probably much smarter than I am in the audience, you know, AI special data scientists and, and then, but my, my way is of just telling the story where I think it's going, you know, with them. Yeah, and, you know, um, and, and so, so and where say, is it going? Where, you know, from, and, and again- I see, yeah, where's it going? Obviously, it's very much embedded finance. Basically, the cake is there uh, and it's shared by everyone, you know? Uh, how, how do you feel about, I, th I think embedded finance- um, What it means embedded finance for people to know, it's non-financial companies who, who have an audience because they have customers, Walmart, et cetera, and think, hey, maybe let's give them not everything, but let's give them little pieces, you know, which they need, lending or whatever. And, uh, and that's nice. Or insurances, if you're Volkswagen, say, hey, why not sell insurance directly like Tesla does, you know, and has all the data it has. And, uh, and probably has an advantage of other car, uh, car insurance companies when it comes to Tesla. Absolutely. Interestingly enough, though, there was some data on, on Tesla's brand not translating directly to insurance in, in California. But there's also, I think, which when everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I told you so. But, you know, they're, they're getting another crack and another crack. And eventually they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get it right, I believe. Um, not sure that, you know, Hook or Allianz need to worry too much. But um, that's, I don't think that's, that's really what's, what's at stake here. But, okay, embedded finance. You know, what that means is a lot of companies will become dumb pipes. And for expression, yeah. from the telecom company, you know, basically they will provide services, but nobody will know. Allianz might provide services. I mean, not that Allianz will become a dumb pipe, but, uh, uh, but it doesn't really matter. And, you know, who will be successful? It's the weak players, because the weak players are the first players who will jump on this dumb pipe because they say, we can't compete with what we do. Let's become dumb pipes and let's do this better than everyone. And if the big players eventually say, oh, one day, oh my God, it's maybe it's great to become a dumb pipe. At least we survive. <laughs> Nobody really cares. No, and, and, and It's always the weak ones who will change faster. Okay, because yeah, they have more to win, you know, they, they, they have more to win than to lose, right? Um, I, I remember, you know, any insurance conference um, where insurers, and quite frankly, I get it, some brands, but it's kind of like, we need to own the customer touch point. And then I kind of go, wow, have, you know, have you ever really, has Allianz ever truly, Allianz, I mean, 
the CEO of Allianz, has he ever really owned the touchpoint or wasn't it the Allianz type agent who has the trust of the client? And wouldn't that, would that, I think, if that person, if Peter, who I'm trying, is going to switch to AXA, aren't most of his colleagues going to come at least with him? Um, and isn't that also the fact? But, but anyway, right? So I think. No, no, but that, I mean, that's a problem. I mean, that's another thing about we're talking about futurists. Embedded finance, I've spoken a long time before. Uh, and people talk about it now. But, you know, one thing which is newer today is we're going to become like fashion brands. Let's give you something new. On the three of us? No, no. The industry is going to become like fashion brands. And what that means is there will be periods you're not going to be hot anymore, you know. Mm. Because okay. what we do with easily to change from one provider to another, uh, it makes it very easy to say, oh, oh, I feel like more like it used to be like Monzo, Monzo, the pink card, great. I'd rather go to Starling. You know, people will switch easily. It's already and possible. And to tie them, of course, the trick is to tie them like Spotify ties me in a very nice way that I have playlists that I can't bring to another uh, provider easily. But to be a fashion brand, which a lot of them are in a way, is very dangerous because it could, could be very much out of fashion, you know? Yeah. And and no, but but embedded finance, I think you know, yeah, you have, have non-financial institutions who have access to clients and have various touch points to inject payments, credit, insurance into that equation in a contextually relevant manner. And because the customer acquisition costs, especially in financial services, are, are very high, um, you know, that alone gives them an edge. And then in some cases, you have relevant contextual data in some cases you have too little i think the interesting thing would someone would people always talk about more data points but not all of it is actually a lot of it is also noise or you don't yet know especially in insurance or but you know same with credit engines i would imagine ex post you kind of need to you need to run it through and then you can kind of back test it um but one of the things i think a lot of i feel especially insurers haven't really gotten yet. What it means is that you need to price risk because you cannot do cash flow underwriting anymore because the stock market doesn't give the outsized returns that mm -hmm. they give. So you need to underwriting becomes one of the core assets again. But what that means is someone else like Amazon dictates the customer journey. They'll dictate the data set that you are able to price on. And that data set probably is less than your actuarial data set because that there you know everything so i think what's really interesting for insurers which i haven't seen many of them pick up and which most of the trends with digital transformation courses some transformation is going into a very different like standardization data sets like guys you're missing the boat we're actually already in the next chapter where someone else is giving you a data set an incomplete data set or a novel data set you know but he, they drive the direction that way it, Exactly. And so what insurers need to get... It's like saying you have to box with those gloves on and and then... And, and maybe there's a different way to, to succeed. But, that, you know, once you become big, you don't want others to succeed. Yeah. Um, oh, is that, yeah. What's, what's your view? Because I think embedded insurance, at least embedded finance, most people seem to agree 
they, you know, it's kind of on vogue. Um, yes. um, I think the nice thing about it is it's already validated, you know, affinity B2B2C distribution is kind of validated. So now it's a question of, is there any money at the POS as more supply pushes in? Um, but that's for another show to tell. I would love to get your insight on what do you feel about the personal advisor and his or her role in insurance and finance um, in the foreseeable future? Uh, what level of advisor? Um, I, I, you know, I think that's uh, it's a nuanced answer. So let's let's just say for the sake of it, let's go into because I think it's easier. Let's go retail. Let's not go private bank. Let's go retail. Um, mm -hmm. And from, for the sake of it, you know, let's do I don't know, retail insurance or retail stocks, yeah. you know, this, the easy stuff. But uh, you mean like an agent for your, uh, an agent? I, would, I wouldn't, for me, I, I would say, because quite, so quite I understand it correctly. So I don't No, I, I think it's so, so I try to make more sense. Than the, the how relevant do you feel the, um, the human element, the human element um, in delivering retail financial services? Well, it's very, you know, it can be zero and a lot. I think, uh, I think Lemonade does it with zero. You know, and uh, it's a great concept, but I also believe in human element. The thing is, do they really? I mean, once they IPO'd and they didn't have to continue their story for yes. the VCs, aren't they now partnering with tight agents? Because now they need to. You know, at the end of the day, yes. I mean, they're not stupid. I think uh, it's that's another thing. It's like travel agent. You know, we book our flights. I, I, there's an old story, but that's I always tell it. it it's very fitting. We book all our flights ourselves, but when we go to safari, we rather have an expert who tells us, "Stay there, take this flight, stay this." I, and that's exactly where our business going. And we yeah. need. I even believe in branches. You know, uh, because people don't like branches, but you know, I would always have a branch insurance in in a one big city they don't mind to travel an hour to come to you but it's a nice comfort to have brick and mortar you know I mean, I, i've said this to even the boys at number two is exits i mean people don't listen they go all digital but the coolness is to have both i mean people were laughing but I, i'm a little older than maybe the new gentleman but um before apple there was gateway this computer company who had stores i lived 20 years in america didn't succeed. No, very great, successful company like Dell. Yeah. Apple succeeded. So I think branches or offices, real offices, is a great thing. As long as people feel comfort. You know, we are in a time where you need Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, all these people. You need humans because we're a tech company. We like we don't connect with technology. We use it. Mm -hmm. but we don't have emotions you know we have to connect that's why we need companies need faces we have to humanize our digital business because at the end of the day that's what we rely on we see this person i see tom and, and then i say i trust him so I, therefore i trust even more i know i know the product it feels good and but it's this human element it's very true and uh, and the agent is extremely important you know and uh that's my belief. 
And uh, people only see once, you know, people, they're so simple. It's obviously it's nice to say we go digital. We don't need human elements, but uh, I'm not a fan of this. I, I think, I think the, I, I, I agree, but I also think that there is data to suggest that because if you're looking at, and I'm more focused on, yes. fintech, so please let me know if that doesn't translate well to fintech, but I think for the last I think couple of tech is fintech. It, it is, but, but if, <laughs> you know, um, but go on, going please. to money 2020 or to DIA, you know that there's also a different focus um, yeah. and insurance is slightly different than some other um but anyway you know financial services yes um is that's the beauty of it but i think um wow i actually i, I lost i'm so sorry i interrupted you <laughs> no no that's fine i literally just uh, okay. but just to take this point if you see the, the development of e-commerce companies uh, and there are a lot of examples, but you can also take ING Direct in the past. But the, in the interesting aspect is that the e-commerce, which is, let's say, further down the road, they start to connect again and, yep. and, and, and opening brick and mortar uh, uh, shops uh, where you would say, no, that the model worked pretty well. Uh, and they are connecting this. So, so and, and there's a reason for that. So, so it's some kind things of... don't make sense money-wise, but they make sense subconsciously in a way that we can't quantify it. You know. Yeah, but in the, in in the, in the past, I, uh, ING Direct, which was the first mm -hmm. global online bank, people thought, I don't know if this company really exists, and then they start to open in in very big cities. I think New York, etc. They started to open. It was more the emotional stuff. But, but but the, on, the, on the other hand, is it, there's a kind of mixture. So uh, you still can buy stuff online, but for certain topics, you, you want to feel it. So the more expensive something gets, you want to just feel what kind of trouser is this, et cetera. And financial services, you have exactly the same. I mean, we're doing online mortgage advice, but there's only one final, uh, let's say, talk and people want to come into the office uh, because they just want to have this human feeling and really have a kind of, I don't know if it's trust or whatsoever. So I think it's always, it's not will be this or that. It's always, it will be end end, but depending on the person or the topic. Imagine we would get married by click. Oh, darling, let's get married. Let's click here. So, and so I think I mean, it, it needs this. I think the smart, you know, people, our companies, I, I think FinTech and Shorter can learn a lot about fashion brands, big ones yeah. that, that been in the business, as you said, for, for digital bank, uh, digitalized in their own ways and having their stores, et cetera. You know, you can learn. Sometimes we're too focused on our own business uh, industry. Yeah. And sometimes we should look at other industries who, who have some similarities and say, oh, wow. Because at the end of the day, we all want to become strong brands. And I think we are good in this game, but fashion brands, for instance, and oh, they've been, that's all they were, brands. Yeah, they are much stronger, much better. So, so therefore we are like, oh, wow, we can make money with finance and branding, like number 26 and et cetera. But there are some people really good at it. 
So that's my advice. No, my sense. No, and, 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 and I think, not no, and I think that this anecdotal evidence um, is also corroborated if you're looking at um, at least the insure tech models um, and their success over the same period of time. And I think there's some really interesting stats. Germany is a really interesting breeding ground because we had a lot of insure techs mm -hmm. in a quite a pluralistic market, lots of distribution channels, not one thing dominant. Um, and so um, a qu quite competitive. And if you're looking at the insure techs um, and you know MGA or, or, or full stack model, and um, basically, and it's very simple, every insure tech who said, I will go directly to the consumer with my direct brand and or it failed. Lemonade failed, Koya is not doing so well. Um, Everyone failed who tried to go directly to the and basically recreate, switch someone because most people already have insurance and basically go, don't trust the person you've trusted for 10 years, trust me. That just hasn't, and because I have an app, that just hasn't worked. The companies um, that worked really well, it's basically two types of companies, both of it, it's embedded insurance with the longer sales cycle because it. It, it takes longer to make these deals work, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get Vodafone, it might take, and then it ramps up and you, you know, hopefully they don't squeeze you down as it, as it scales. But the other ones who put on, who went for personal advisors and brokers, um, and actually to the effect that um, on the- Like we folks did. Like we Fox, we Fox very great, early on. Great story. I mean, I'm biased, but anyway, it's a great story. Absolutely, and this is what Julian and and and, and Fabian, you know, what they and, and Oliver and all. And those, Oliver then put all those founders say exactly, it's, and it's, it's a great it's, startup story because they've seen everything ups and downs. It, exactly, and I think, and I think I I heard Ollie said at at some point. I think it's quite interesting because you know he 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 joined them um, on 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 part. Ollie was the CEO for One Insurance, which uh, you it, know for people who don't know Oliver Lang. It, it, exactly, but it's it's. I think we folks did the went the hard way of trying different things, understanding where they it wouldn't scale, and then making people kind of go, "Oh, that's opportunistic." I go, "That's tough." You know, it's invalidating, falsifying your hypothesis, making some hard choices because you could not, you know, and making a change. Whilst a lot of people just, you know, go. No, go they they're very good at that and uh, that speaks for them you know and i think and the run with what works which is basically you should do but it's this balance between have i given up too early on an idea it's this balance where you say okay maybe it's a fantastic idea but the time is not right let's jump on this because we have to keep moving and uh, julian and uh, Julian, who represents this as a face and as a founder and vision, uh, is very good at, at, uh, at sensing those new trends and also uh, giving it a face, you know, for the industry, what WeFox stands for. And I must say, I have high regards for Julian for this, uh, you know. Uh, and he doesn't need to do everything, but there's a good CEO founder and, uh, you know, was able to, to adapt to an industry that's moving fast. No, and I mean, if you if you're just kind of looking to that to their success, and um, when when Ollie joined and moved one away from uh, direct to consumer um, towards brokers um, and and helping them, you know, I think the the history kind of tells the rest of the story. But it's it's a good testament that um, focusing on the advisor works, 
and it actually works better than all of the other insurtechs combined. And that's tough, you know, and in the same time periods. And, and, and it's, it's um, so I think um, those two, you know, those two things I would, I would sign, sign off on. And I think the, the data, there's, there's data to suggest that hypothesis. I mean, Oli, I find Oli, Oliver Lang is one, I had a podcast myself with him. It was one of those great insure tech uh, executives. Uh, I'm a big fan of him as a person and as a mind and you know, the guy, it's too modest, but the guy knows how to execute. I mean, it, that's the guy you want to have next to you. You know, if I, if I would launch an insure tech company, that's the guy who would say, hey, Oli, let me organize some money and you run the show. And, and I think it's going to be successful. Um, After this podcast, I will immediately call him. important in our podcast, to, to call out great, you know, people in the industries that, that are doing great job because uh, we are a community to support each other. You know, we are still the underground. I mean, it's a big incumbent and it's us. So it's very important to help each other. And, and honestly, there's some great names out there. Yeah, and you know, if I think if 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 anything, and if you've seen other industries, uh, what's kind of helpful for the industry as a as, as a whole is that new breed of education, of skill set, of opinions, of, of cloud, um, that change can happen as some of these companies are now getting to a size where, you know, they are, um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that we folks was, would buy, you know, tight agents from really iconic brands. And I was like, when I heard that, I was like, okay, something is up in the air here. So, you know, it's, it, where there's smoke, eh? hmm? <laughs> where there's smoke, where there's smoke, you know, if, you know was, there's, there's yeah. fire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, really interesting times. And I think it's just really good for, for the industry. as but, a whole. But we have to realize something, uh, you know, to talk about futuristic things. I think very few players we know now will be remaining in five years to 10. There will be new startups that will revolutionize our business. You know, and uh, it's very important to think that because otherwise uh, you're not going to be paranoid enough and working hard enough. You know, there are always great ideas coming because there's this feeling now that Stripe, McLaren, and all these people, those are the players we will have to face in the future. But the truth is there will be different McLaren's, there will be different Stripes, which can start fresh. I mean, even Stripe, they're smart enough besides of the huge valuation to buy other startups, to invest big, you know, to to fill the gaps they know they have, you know, well, and I think that's very smart about them. I think we could it be. I mean, I'm not huge into into crypto. I was just dumb. I was I was just jealous enough of some colleagues of mine who did. So I got into Bitcoin, <laughs> but I have no idea. I was just went if this goes well, I'm going to be so angry. I'm just I'd rather lose out with them. Then have them win and be able. That, that was my. I was like, I saw them these trends. I was like, what the hell is this? And I was just like, just have to do it for a psychological reason, and um, that that paid off. But I, so I don't. I'm not um, a big understander of of, of crypto um, or of, of the applications of blockchain. But what I've heard, or I believe I've read, that Coinbase is one of the most active corporate VCs 
in fintech um, having made massive amounts of investments. And I think that, you know, and Coinbase is quite a novel startup. So if those attackers are paranoid and you know, you see it from big tech, that seems to paint something around the uh, defensibility of modes um, and just the paranoia that you should- I mean, um, look at Coinbase, they understand that their business model uh, you know, the profits will go down. The more players, I mean, the more players that will come in, institutional money is big, uh, the fees will go down. So therefore they have to, with the money they have to buy other stuff to make it a better business. You know, yeah. with those huge profit margins they have, uh, they won't last forever because the more yeah. players are coming. It's just a natural, not because they're not good. They're not, it's just, it's part of the business, the nature of the business. You know, everyone wants to feed on the same uh, cake. You and know, it's like Bezos said, your margin is my opportunity. And yes, exactly. So, but they're smart enough, you know, and uh, another guy, maybe you don't know anymore is uh, Andy Grove. You remember Andy Grove? Only the paranoid survive. Exactly. Ah. Tell that every startup, everyone, you know, oh, it's so true. You know, I'm paranoid every month. All investments are made. I count them zero. So I feel like, okay. If I have zero now, <laughs> what shall I do this month? You know, and but it gives you like this hung, hunger. Otherwise, you feel like, oh, all right, darling, it's enough for us. You know, uh, we can settle back and enjoy our lives, which I will not enjoy not working. But I think the, that's there's also some truth, right? I think it's I could it, not. Would you really enjoy it? Because no. you know, if you what's you know what's what's enough? I mean, you it you know it's probably we all have enough. But uh, this paranoid, this key thing, you know, be paranoid, you know, feel like your business will be eaten by somebody smarter, young or different. If you I think mean, like I, that, I think I, I would paraphrase it, but it kind of gets into the same one. You know, enjoy the journey of growth and just enjoy it. It's going to be it's going to be tough. And, you know, if you want to see where you've grown the most, it's probably where it hurt the most. Yes. Enjoy that. Uh, you know, it sucks in the moment, you know, like working out sucks. I mean, I at least don't Very good point, Nicholas. particularly well, but, but to me, it's kind of, you know, enjoy that because I think it, you know, if it makes you, but be, be aware, it should make you a better person because if it make it puts out the worst in you, then you're probably on the wrong path. But anyway. Not, not as if people cared. Hmm? People don't really care. I mean, people care if they care, and if they don't care, they don't care. Or I would say if they're assholes, they will say assholes and believe that that's the way to do business. And uh, But I, I, I think here and the people we know a lot, we try to enjoy our lives, enjoy the people we've seen and work with. You know, at the end, I always try to find a business where there are more winners, you know? It's just more fun. I mean, that's the thing, you know, at, at the end of the day, depending on what, what matters, you know, I think uh, what's that, you know, don't do anything that you don't want to be plastered on the news yes. next day. Doesn't mean you have to be nice. Doesn't mean you have to be yes. Doesn't mean that people cannot be, cannot be, cannot dislike you. That is not what I'm saying. It's just that you say, this is why I've done and I disagree with you and I accept your, I accept your um, reaction to that, but I'm okay with it. That's what that means. It doesn't mean, you know, everyone should be happy the whole time. No, I, I mean, if you, it's impossible otherwise, but uh, it's a way to say it, you know. I, you I, think, I my, can... my dad always said, but I think he overextended that a little bit. But he said, you know, if you only have friends, you don't have a character. 
but I think he took that a little bit too far. Um, but anyway, hi, Dad. Um, what well, they say about kids, if your kids always love you, you do something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because basically it's just, okay, you can have it, you can have it, you can have it. But anyway, um, yeah. Third point, senior advisor. So who do you advise um, and on which matters? You know, um, I, I advise usually um, like the latest one is NetTech is um, um, banking as a service provider. Like Solaris Bank, is that a? No, we're not there yet, but we, we provide the core engine for many banks, also for challenge banks in Greece. NetTech is profitable, 18 years old, almost my God, it's like aging. But we will go into bank as a service. We were close to, to close the circle. Basically, I tell my way of advising or media stock. Media stock is in cybersecurity space. Basically, that's a very cool company. They they take down illegal content. So if there's a Champions League, they find within two three minutes the illegal content and take it down. I mean through AI, and we own we we control Greece. We're in Israel, uh, Cyprus, Brazil, uh, Sweden. So basically, I had, I'm like a coach to the to the to the management. I'm and just giving my opinion, the way I see things, you know. And I'm independent. And hopefully, the advice you're given translated in success. I mean, and then that continues, but. My advice, I speak almost like a coach. I would say to Tom or to you, Nicholas, I think that maybe we should look at different approaches and also justify why. I'm just more like this. I'm not going to give you a study, but I'm going to give you, I will, I will give you why, the whys. And, and again, being an influencer, again, I probably have a good, you know, I'm not good at everything. Obviously not. I'm another micro, but I'm good at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I give you my best advice and and tell you why and and i've done it with everything i mean and there was once a company I, I don't want to mention name and they came to me in a huge crisis you know and then i said you know can you talk to this person who causes us this pain and i said you know this guy whatever i did to cause you this pain even if i were his mother he would not change it because he determined to do it as a business but what we're gonna do is we're going to announce a partnership as advisor and bringing positive news out and saying business as usual. You know, we got hit, but business as usual. And I think uh, that's kind of contribution I give. Like, you know, I tell them more like outsider because when you're inside, you get hurt. You feel like revenge. Me as an outsider, I think, hey, this is just much more professional level. So they're dirty games. We don't have to go for that. And let's do positive things. And that's one thing of a company that became very big. And, but I usually talk with the, with the founder. And I'm like more like, they know I'm independent. I don't try to sell them anything. I don't mind if they don't take my opinion because at the end of the day, it's the CEO or the management who, who takes the responsibility of the decision. But it's extremely valuable to have an opinion of somebody who's been in several successful startups as an advisor. Uh, or gives us just a good opinion, independent, you know, I don't depend on, I don't depend on any of the CEOs because I have contracts uh, that basically they're tight. 
and 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 I have a track record for that. And and that's a nice thing about having good advisors. I'm just one of them. It's just uh, having an independent advice um, how I see things are happening. I think that's extremely valuable. I have my own advices as well, which I listen to. But at the end of the day, I have to make the decision and I take the responsibility at the end. And I understand the CEO always takes the responsibility. Did this make sense, Tom, Nick? I'm curious who are your advisors or who you ask for advice, but you don't have to answer this if this is too personal. Well, again, no, say again, Tom, sorry. Because you said you also have your advisors. Oh, so, it can so, be uh, anyone. Can, can be anyone. Anyone. I, anyone. You know, I tell you something. If I were in a meeting, the cleaning lady would come in. Cleaning lady. I come from a working class family and she would give me good advice. I would take it. I don't really care. I, I judge by the, I judge by the advice. Oh, sorry. I if a cleanly as I said before, I judge by the advice, you know, and and uh, and obviously though, if we would speak often, Tom, obviously you would be indirectly my advisor because I would address things and say, oh, I have this issue or whatever. I think with time, this relationship is closer and it flows into what who I am, you know, yeah. mixture of. It's, we're always a mix of great advice. So I can advise everyone to take as many good advices as independent thinking uh, people in because that's valuable because otherwise you might, you might go into a channel, you know, if you don't even know it. I would even go a little bit further. I would say, I think you can even take biased advice. You just need to, you just need to appreciate where that kind of comes from and, and, and weight it appropriately. Yeah. I mean, we're always a bit of biased because it's us. Oh, you know. You know. But I'm not really biased when I give advice to companies uh, because, uh, as I said, I always discounted to zero my stake uh, until the exit. Uh, so I'm very much, um, I can really say I'm very, you know, in the beginning of your career, you had one investment. You cannot be unbiased because, oh, fuck, if Nicholas fucks it up, all the dreams, everything I promised my wife is going to happen for all the sacrifices down the drain. Now I'm the privilege to, to really not really care if one company goes down. I mean, obviously I don't want it because of all the consequences, but I couldn't care less. No, I hope it doesn't go come across wrongly. And then I can really talk freely. It's like saying, you know, I, you can't talk freely because you're very much in your company. Your heart is in everything. I can really say, look, Nicholas, Tom, the other better, better companies than you guys are in that aspect. I can say it, you know, and it's also my role to say it and say, look at this. But I mean, I, I, I would say the thing. Yeah, I would say nice way. I would not say in public to, to embarrass you, but I would tell you. And, and if you're a good CEO, you would take it. Like I give an example of this morning with a company I'm involved in. He talked to a VC and the guy said to him, you're not aggressive enough. And I said, yes, I don't mention the name, but when he listens to podcasts, says, yes, you're not aggressive enough. He was so right. So show him that you are aggressive. And, and he realized he could take it because it's not easy to, to correct someone. He says, yes, you're so right. No, and and I, I didn't want to hear the right thing. I just wanted him to realize, hey, the way he functioned is not aggressive enough. And and listen, I think it's 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 also fair to kind of have to hear it multiple times i think it's also fair to that 
have advice sink in to give time for reflection. Yeah, I don't think people need to kind of take a hit and do the Jesus and you know, turn the other cheek immediately. I think it's tough. I think it, it's hurtful. I think there's so involved. And I think that's absolutely fine because most, because, you know, there's emotions involved and I think that's, that's fine. But I would, I would also talk to as many people as you, as your other obligations allow um, that yeah. you feel have, um, you know, are partially um, where you would like to be on one aspect of that journey and, and, and listen to them. And then you, you make up your own mind and, it's, yeah. you know, take the responsibility. And, and that's the thing, you know, then you take the responsibility for that and um, you move on. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so I guess kind of, kind of coming to the fourth point, influencer. Um, yeah, I have 10 minutes uh, left. Uh, we can very quickly, please. Okay, let's let's very briefly. I enjoyed it very much. I have to say this at the end. I enjoyed it. It's a privilege to be with you guys. But go on, please. How does that? Who? How is that measured? Uh, who decides that? Um, yes. Is is Twitter better than LinkedIn in your view, or depending on what? You know, I, I think Twitter is better for for our business, but LinkedIn is also available. You know, but the LinkedIn is uh, much slower. You know, and but it's it, it's a good channel. LinkedIn is my second channel after Twitter. Twin, Twitter, you have more experts. If they if they collect butterflies on Shubatech, you have them there. You have a huge audience. Who measures this? There are different companies that measure influence because uh, big brands want to get involved with the influencers so they in order they can't judge it so the like analyticus one but the other ones that do not for our space for all kinds of spaces measure the impact of influencers and uh, an influencer means um, what the audience you have you know how important the audience is and i i don't know if i mentioned the beginning but uh, just sum it up quick in politics imagine i would be an influence in politics uh, Obama, Biden, Merkel would follow me maybe, and they measure this. That shows, oh, maybe there's something that the guy says that these people feel like, with all the responsibility they have, they follow you. Okay. In my case, I'm I'm more an influencer. I don't think you will get directly more customers from me. My impact is more with the CEO, CFOs, press, who believe in my credibility and my audience. I mean, 30% of my audience is US, 10% is India. China, I don't have audience because Twitter is not allowed. And Twitter does a great thing. Besides of, it is probably the news channel out there, good or bad, you know, good or bad. It, it allows for outside companies to measure it, you know, okay. a lot of APIs, which LinkedIn doesn't uh, as well. And so you can measure my audience. You can measure the reach I have. And, um, you know, and that's... And of course, once you're successful, it's like credibility. Uh, I give another thing, jo Johnny, uh, Johnny Carson, who had the Tonight Show, like the God of Tonight Show before, whatever you see was Johnny Carson in America. And uh, he said, when a comedian comes, like Bob Hope, don't know him, uh, but that was a very famous American comedian or another famous, another comedian who had better jokes People laughed even at the small joke of Bob Hope because you have to earn your space. 
We all have to earn our space. And if you earn the space, you can say things and people start believing. You know, it's not forever, but you have to earn your credibility. And if you're long enough in the business and you stuck your head out uh, like me or other people and you survived and, and uh, became successful in the process, that gives you the credibility. I heard about another great woman who had this IPO with her company. She said, oh, five years ago, CEO of great tech company. Uh, I forgot her the company now, but she said five years ago, I said the same things, just nobody listened. Now I'm successful, people listen. It's, but it just, you have to earn the credibility of being an influencer. And, and it's, not, it's, a, it's a very delicate thing, I think. It's a, it's a community that supports you and you have to support the community. I, it's nothing for granted. But I think there's, there's something else in there that is, yes, you might say the same thing. And first of all, I don't think you have actually over, even if you don't change your fundamental opinion, I don't think you say the same things, actually. I think what, what people mis under, uh, massively underestimate is the fact that um, as you're writing something down, if you, as you're exposing yourself, as you're getting feedback, you're, you force yourself to critically assess your opinions in a, in a very structured and, and forcing function manner. And so I think putting things out there, getting that feedback, getting the criticism actually ensures that your own critical thinking gets improved much more so than just not, you know, just keeping it to yourself. So I would just yeah. encourage people to do that. You have to understand to be an influencer, it means I work seven days a week. Uh, it's, you know, uh, besides of all advice, uh, evaluating other companies, maybe writing articles, etc. I do, whenever I have free time, I do my social media things. It's like my, my life is my work. It's a sacrifice. If either you can do it or not, there's a price for everything. And it's a question if you want to pay it or not. I'm willing to pay and I'm, I'm likely successful, but I have periods where I've worked very hard and I wasn't successful. So, but I don't think everyone is willing to pay the price it takes to be a great it's a successful startup, you know, and looking at your wife's face or kids and say, oh, maybe Kita is out. <laughs> maybe I will take care of that, you know, and people only see the good things. There's a lot of, lot of painful moments. Is there, because this is a, it, we could leave it on that note, but I find it's a very somber note um, just to leave. So anything, um, you know, any kind of, um cheerful advice chat no, this um, was already cheerful okay. you know why oh so sorry no i repeat this this was very cheerful because if anyone is discouraged by what i'm told now then you're in the wrong space in the first place because the people people who want to build something you can't discourage them by telling them they're going to be tough times because they've experienced this and they went through it. So this is the optimistic part. So it's basically like, yes, it's true. You know, I had Georgia Smallwood with me on a podcast. She was uh, responsible for the products in number 26. And now she's uh, with this um, other famous uh, Berlin company that uh, provides rights. Um, I forgot the name now, but people want to hear honest things. They don't want to hear... Yeah pretty things and and 
and the brutal things they don't discourage the right people you know when the going gets tough the tough gets going it's a song title but we all know it's true you know that's the encouraging thing people don't want you know i'd rather tell them that's what it is and people will say oh, yeah i can live with that let's go for it because i have no alternative let's go for it so i have to say time truly flew spiros Tom, thank you. Thank you so much. I don't I think thank you very our, our longest one yet. Um, and I thank did you. not notice it. Thank you so much um, for, for your time, for your insights. Um, and I am very much looking forward to um, meeting you both, you know, virtually, but also physically, you know, as, as, time, as time permits. We had a very good uh you know when we first met in that that really cool conference in england i think yeah, yeah yes long time that ago was, that was that was really cool on this break um and guys thank you very much. much have a lovely day thank you tom thank nick take care bye